0: cold cabanas on aew unrestricted
1: i've always been a
0: person who impresses people over time like that's always been my theory i'm always a slow burn that should have been my name slow burn cold cabana so join me and tony Schiavone for aew unrestricted powered by state farm listen now wherever you get your podcasts been some window, one to remember from the 17th of May to the 2nd of September, players and clubs in the eternal dance, from Italy to Holland to Germany to France and England too and Portugal and Spain as the cogs of motion sprang to life again, to begin negotiations, to barter and reason, and this summer you know it's been swap deal season and on social too, the ebb and the flow Fabrizio tweeting, here we go and we've had graphics and videos and alerts in the app, tracking the movements of planes across a map, so let's talk it through the early birds, the ones that went through fast. La decision number two, greasy at Barcelona at last and replacing him, the wonder boy. His feet wreathed in fire. João Felix to Atletico. Now they're dreaming even higher. Ajax's young guns flipped the script because though we knew about FDJ, Matthias delix kept us guessing until his announcement day. Juve, Paris, Liverpool, United, Barca, Bayern. He pitched himself and black and white and left the others crying. Over to Inter and Conte's at the wheel, picked up Godin and Sensi for a steal, Barella, Lazzaro, Alexis, Baragi, and we're all with you, Big Rom, you're bigger than Cagliari. And to the gunners who were sold on a winger from France, Pepe to Arsenal, Dino said no chance, but they found some money, and off to London he came. You win some and you lose some, it's a funny old game. But he was the first in the world to break Harry Maguire, a tweet from the States that set United's world on fire, and we waited and waited on delays unplanned, unseen, until it happened. United's number five, Vindication for Dean. And over in Paris, they come and they go. Rico, Herrera, Rabio, Abdu Diallo, Timothy Way, Chris and Kunku and Drissa Gay. But it was a saga that dominated the Paris skies, that grabbed all minds, that caught all eyes. Neymar, the saviour, back to Spain. It was on and off and on and off again until the lock slammed shut. He's still PSG's man, but another saga was rumbling in Milan. Mauro Icardi, outcast by Conte, knew at Inter that he wasn't wanted to Juve, to Napoli, to Real, to Rome, until out of nowhere... PSG on loan. And for all the drama, look what he's worth. In Paris, they have one of the best front fours on earth. And what about Gala? It wouldn't be right to pass on what they've done. In many ways, if this was a contest, maybe they'd have won. And Zonzi's there, Seri too, Emery Moore, and Babel now. Plus a deadlane day haul of Mario Lamina, Andone, and Falcao. I could do this for hours, but I know you'd rather I stop. But I want to quickly touch on Sam's beloved summer of the swap. Ariola and Navas swapping camps, Rebic and Silva got the get go. Danilo Cancelo, Dalbert Baragi, Sillison and Neto. So what a summer. Looking back, it's been all sorts of fun. And managers across the plains are stuck with what's been done. And ultimately, as ever, for summer famine, for summer feast, take a breath, the door is shut. Till January, at least. That was good, mate. Nice. That was good. I mean, it
2: lasted longer than the transfer window, <laughs> but it, it was really good, and I'm glad that at least you're still with us. Yeah. I am just about. It, well, did you have any offers during the transfer window? Look,
0: it, it wouldn't be right for me to say. My agent's been sorting things, but ultimately, me and BR agreed a new deal. We're, you know, very oh, have happy with, with what we've done. So, you know, oh. ranks ranks remains. Oh, was so well, good to have you. I tried to swap him, him to someone thing, else, but like <laughs> uh... Sam keeps trying to swap me. He keeps like offering me to like James Richardson on a swap. <laughs> unfortunately won't have me no one's Welcome. taking the bait no one's taking the bait <laughs> ladies and gentlemen to be our football ranks where as you might have guessed we're going to be talking the transfer window today my name is jack collins prince of poets the ballgame bard and i hope that you enjoyed that little ballad to start us off i am joined once more by the twin pillars that the rank squad is built on first up the ruler of the rumors a tycoon of transfer twitter Mr. Dean Jones. Hello, mate. And, of course, the oligarch of order, the man who ranks long into every night, is the rank god, Mr. <laughs> tai. True story. It's, uh, it's facts, unfortunately. No fiction <laughs> on this place. We're mixing it up this week. And before we get on to Hot Takes, we wanted to give pride of place to a new element of this podcast, a segment that already has its own dedicated social media following. So go on, Dean Jones. To those who didn't hear you last week, why on earth have you brought a melon to the studio? <laughs> <laughs> it's time, Jack, for... Melon of the week. <laughs> For those of you not watching <laughs> and just listening, Dean is holding up a melon. Do you want to describe it? Yeah, Tell us bit about the melon. The, we'll this week up. we have the
2: Gallia melon. Nice. Um, it's lovely. It's quite a small melon, isn't it? You don't normally see melons quite as small as this when you mm. imagine them. Um, but this yellowy orange melon um, is very beneficial. And I think we should all eat this afterwards because reading about it, it actually has anti-cancer p- potential. Excellent. right? Yep. I'm so, uh, we're going to have this because I think out. it could save lives. So everyone go and have a Gallia melon. Um, now, for the real deal, <laughs> this week's melon of the week, sponsored by the Gallia melon, <laughs> is Cesar Azbillacueta. Right. Now, it was by pure coincidence that I was at this game to see the display of the first ever melon, <laughs> but he was minging. It was <laughs> so, so bad. He gave the ball away more than anyone else on the pitch, which is really saying something because Ross Barkley was bad. <laughs> Defensively, he was shocking. Sheffield United literally targeted him pretty much every single attack because he was so vulnerable. Uh, Callum Robinson and Ender Stevens had the time of their lives down that flank. The
0: Axis, the Irish Axis. Mm. Seriously.
2: Um, both goals for Sheffield United came from that side. Kurt Zuma's the one getting all the stick for Chelsea at the moment. And listen, he didn't have a good game. He's not a great footballer. Doesn't give me any security if I'm a Chelsea fan. But... Aspillacueta was the worst player on that pitch. He was the worst player anywhere in Europe this weekend. Oh, the man is in absolute freefall, and he will not be playing
0: in this Chelsea team for much longer. Congratulations, Cesar Aspillacueta, the melon of the week, the inaugural melon of the week. Cesar, Dave, Aspillacueta. So congratulations, yes. to Dave.
2: Do we deliver this to him, or do I just you can write it on
0: it and, uh, and and deliver it to his house? I think if but you melon... write on each melon who the melon of the week was, and we can put Take together a, picture, a kind of row. Yeah, that'd be good.
2: A rotten melon corner. <laughs> no, <of them. laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Take a picture. (laughs) We won't keep the actual melons. Right.
1: That's enough. We're going to hot take. Can I just say that's quite quite harsh from Dean? I thought I thought personally Sergio Ramos should be Melon of the Week this week. And did you have a nomination? I didn't actually bring a
0: nomination for Melon of the Week. Do I do it on just
2: one off mistakes? Do I put Koulibaly? Do I pick Zuma? Do I pick Ramos? No, I've picked someone who was just
0: shocking start to finish. Okay. I think okay. it's, you know, look, this isn't a democracy. Dean no, picks the medal of the week no and that's how it goes. You can suggest things. Dean will look at suggestions, but ultimately he gets the call. Yeah. Right. Sam, Dean led that bit. Do you want to start us off with hot takes instead? Ooh, Mix not, things up. I'm not prepared to no, start. you're not.
1: Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's push me into action. Okay. Hot take. Real Madrid's biggest problem is not Gareth Bale. It's not their new signings. It is their manager, Zinedine Zidane. Right. August, Richard Fitzpatrick writes an article for BR on Real Madrid, their summer and Zidane's plan. He speaks to Madrid journalists from El Mundo, Diario AS, all those guys. What's the feeling within the walls of the Bernabeu? And the feeling is Zidane is not happy with the signings he's been given. He hates Gareth Bale. He wants Paul Pogba and he's not very happy with the team. So he wants to stick with the old guard. Now, that led him to one of the worst pre-seasons anyone has literally ever seen. So then, from between trying to discard about €300 million worth of talent from the off based on nothing and actively trying to put a boarding card to China in Gareth Bale's hand and wave goodbye, I think he might have got a few things wrong. Just a couple. And the first few or three La Liga games of the season... I think have very much proved him wrong. I think his narrative over the summer of these players don't help my 11 and I want Gareth Bale out, I think it's been proven to be complete bollocks, basically. So we go to the Celtic of Ego game in the first week. Who's, who, who sets up the first goal? Gareth Bale. That leads into a 3-1 win. Who scores the two goals against Villarreal this weekend to get them a draw? Gareth Bale. Whose clever flick is it that opens up the first goal? Luka Jovic. Who bottles up... Wing wizard Samuel Chukwueze in a way that most fullbacks simply cannot. New signing Fela Mendy, and then we flip the coin: who cost a goal? Sergio Ramos, obviously. Oh. Who squandered every good position and every one-on-one opportunity? Lucas Vasquez, the cat who is surely out of lives at this point. That's, He's not, though, is he? This is the problem. He's going to be there forever. That's the thing. And if Vasquez is out of lives, I think Zidane's about seven down of his nine, right? I think there needs to be some serious introspection from him over the course of the international break. I think he needs to assess what he's got, what has happened, and come to the conclusions that quite a few other people have already come to. He's played three different formations uh, over the course of the first three games. He's chopped and changed the systems. He's thrown players in. I don't think he knows what he's doing with this squad. The squad is good. Like, it's really it's good. very, very good. And if this manager can't get the best out of it, maybe you need to look somewhere else. Like he, He's under so much pressure. He might be being bailed out a little bit by the fact that Ernesto Valverde has had a really rocky start to the season with Barcelona as well. And look, maybe Zidane can less, say, in fact. and maybe Zidane can say, ah, when Hazard's back, it'll be fine. Maybe. But man, this has been going on since he got reappointed. It's, it's rudderless and it's really
0: concerning at this point. Dean, is there anything... I I have nothing to say which would would argue with this. Like, I don't think Zidane's doing a very good job. He's
2: not doing a good job. And if I was him, to be honest, I'd be slightly concerned that Mourinho didn't get another job over the summer because I think it's only a matter of time before there's stories again about Mourinho starting to fancy that job and that Zidane's running out of time because Real Madrid can't stick by him. Like, obviously they want to and they thought that this was going to be the way to reintegrate everyone and get everybody happy again. It just hasn't worked like like it did the first time around. And Mourinho might be a different character next time he comes back. He seems a bit happier. He's in the Sky Sports studio over here in England, and he seems a bit more relaxed. He seems rejuvenated a little bit. And I he think he might have a, a fresh outlook. He needed a timeout. He needed a timeout. I think, you know, he did an interview the other day talking about how he how much he misses it. And I think he probably realizes just how good he's had it and how difficult it is to get these jobs. And I think that next time around, he's really going to get the bit between his teeth. And um, Madrid will probably want him when it it comes around. So let's just see what happens after the international break, because I think a couple of bad results once Hazard's back in the team and Zidane's in trouble. Right, Dean, what have you got for me? Sadio Mane was fuming. (laughs) He was angry, wasn't he? He was angry man. Um, Mo Salah not passing to him, apparently. But here's the thing. Sadio Mane has become just as selfish as Mo Salah, possibly even more selfish over the last year or so. And I think Salah's already disrespected enough in football. Not many people are willing to put him close to that top three bracket of footballers in the world, no matter what he does. I've been guilty of that already last season. He doesn't need his own teammates picking up on his flaws here. There are so many times, though, when Mane himself is in positions when he should pass, but he shoots. This is just the type of players they are. And if anyone should understand what's going through Salah's brain, it is Sadio Mane. Also, let's look at the number of assists that these two players are producing. Over this season and last season, Salah has 15 assists. Mane's got six. That's not the sign of an unselfish player, unless everyone is missing the chances that he's teeing up for them. And Mane only got one last year, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think he got six, one, two. Two, maybe, yeah. But ultimately, like that doesn't speak greatly for him. Look at the overall picture from Saturday as well when he was so angry. Salah had more key passes, created more big chances. He got an assist.
0: But Mane is always good. To be fair, his assist he didn't mean to give. <laughs>
1: Probably not, but he still
2: created that chance. He still made <laughs> that burst. Firmino takes it off his toes. Well, he cuts inside though. And that's, this is the thing with Salah is that he makes these openings for himself most of the time. He works so hard for them. It's kind of up to him what he does for, for them. And the situation that Mane picking him up on at 3-0 up, of course Mo Salah's going to try and get a goal. Yeah, want
0: to be on the score sheet. He wants course. to be on the
2: score sheet. And the reason Mane is so mad is because he wanted to be on the score sheet again as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a situation whereby, he sh- if anyone should understand him, it is Sadio Mane. And also, Mo Salah wants to win the Ballon d'Or at some point. If that's going to happen, he's going to have to be more selfish because Cristiano Ronaldo didn't get to the stage he is by picking out passes every time he saw one. He saw them by creating chances
1: and then eating him up himself. So, Sadio Mane, just deal with it, mate. To take to take this on a notch as well, because the assist tally sometimes can be a little bit deceptive in that, okay, you need a chance to be finished. Totally. Um, so, sometimes people might say, well, that's not a fair comparison. Then you, you take an advanced metric like expected assists, which is similar to... Expected goals but in, in, but for assists. So the quality or number of chances that you create should result in approximately this many assists. Aye. Sometimes the level is different. Salah last season nine point three four expected assists. Mane four point four seven. So he's exactly, almost exactly half, half the amount. Right, which is which is basically where we are. I mean, my take on it is that forwards are inherently selfish, and that's fine. Yep. If you're two nil up, cruising. You've got Virgil van Dijk at the back, so you ain't losing. Try and get your goal bonus. You did a poem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so gassed.
1: Rubbing off, man.
0: <laughs> I think... Um, You've got to get your goal bonus. My take on it is, just, is like, if I was a Liverpool fan, I'd be absolutely over the moon to see this kind of thing. And, like, a lot of people would be like, oh, it's rough. like... Dressing room, kind of at each other. Yeah, I'd fine. be absolutely over the moon that players are trying to score that badly, and they want it so much, and they're so so self, like selfish. And in that regard, not in a negative way, that they're trying to get on the score sheet as much as possible. At three nil up, he's that angry at three nil up yeah, because he's that's the, true. That's a brilliant sign.
2: One of my Liverpool friends though texts me, and he said, "I hope that Mane's uh, tantrum actually brings Salah down a peg or two, and because for some reason he's now got this godlike status, he thinks we need him to." He needs to be carried on his shoulders every game. We need him to deliver all these goals. It's not the case. He was still good. We used to score more goals when he was less selfish. Um... I'm not sure that... Yeah, no, that I don't, that's know, if I, for me, I don't Clive, know if I
1: agree with and that. And that's a Liverpool fan yeah. who loves Mo Salah until
2: right now. I, thought, I, mean, I, I think mean, that's a weird thing. Yeah,
1: I mean, Sadio Mane was, was the guy that actually carried them through last season yeah, in agreed. the second half. He scored a, a hell of a lot of goals in the Premier League to to keep the title challenge alive. Scored some crucial ones by Munich in the Champions League and came up good with the... He won the penalty in the in the final, like... They have just Actually, got the perfect mix know. up there and it's know.
2: funny that the first time it's been rattled is by themselves. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it's anything to
0: worry about if you were a Liverpool fan. I Klopp. think the
1: team is falling apart and that's <laughs> that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Klopp, Klopp at the end of the game just said everyone needs to calm down a bit. <laughs> I agree, <Jürgen. laughs> I, don't, I don't. I think they should
0: want that. I think that's the honorable. No, he, oh, he meant he the fans. Should. He the oh, fans yeah, hysteria. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Okay, as ever we let you decide the third hot take for today in the poll and we asked you which deadline day transfer you wanted us to discuss. Before I tell you results though, I've got to make a quick apology for not including Falcao to Galatasaray in here. I saw the video of him arriving to 25,000 fans the night before and I figured that was his unveiling. But that was just him arriving. Yeah, it wasn't it. Yeah. I didn't realize that so I just missed it. I just turns out Gala fans are well, incredible, and vocal. Yeah, and that's powered. just him coming to discuss terms. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so for a coffee. that's why That's why Falcal to Galatasaray I wasn't in the poll. That said, the winner of the poll by 1% in an incredibly tight race was Ante Rebic, who joined AC Milan from Eintracht Frankfurt, just beating out Henrik Mkhitaryan to Roma. Sam, I'm going to let you start here because I know that Rebic is a player that you adore. So where does he fit in at Champaolo's AC Milan? Sorry, Adore
1: is strong. I do really like him, though. And don't ask me where players (laughs) fit in at Milan. Jeez. (laughs) So after last week's rant about them being incredibly knee-jerk, they did indeed change up their formation. And they won, fair enough. But it's mostly because they played the good players. Um, So really, projecting where players end up... uh, Projecting Milan is impossible. And let's not bother at the moment. However, you can just say that Rebic is a very good player. He brings a lot of qualities. He plays on the wing or as a forward or as a second striker. So he plays about four positions. He's extremely aggressive... I think he has the right kind of mentality. He scores, he assists, he runs powerfully. I saw earlier in the summer that he was uh, linked to Atletico Madrid and I thought he'd be a really, really good Diego Simeone player. So I think a player like that, you can't really go wrong with and see they've, they've ended up. Is it, was it it Andre Silva swap deal? Andre Silva has gone the other way
0: as a loan. Yeah. I think they're both loans. Swap loan.
1: Well, Rebich has got a fee, a fee agreed as well. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's like 25 million euros, which is actually pretty good. Um, I, I like this deal for Milan much more than I like it for Frankfurt, and I'm like, irrespective of sort of system and how it fits, because you don't know. Rebic is a good player, and I think he can fulfil a role. Don't know what it
0: is yet, but do well. And Silva's got a point to prove, I think. And in you know, a Frankfurt side that have obviously lacked forwards since they sold both of their forwards from last year.
1: Yeah, and yeah, they've 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 As had Doss to re- come
0: in. They've had to
1: replace a, a few people. So, is still there, but
0: it is one. I'd be really
2: sad if I was a Frankfurt fan watching that fall apart like you've got these three brilliant forward players
0: and just one by one off they go kicked like, off no yeah <laughs> very sad it's oh, i like sorry. this though for milan i like this i think yeah, having someone that versatile who can play across basically the well if they're they gonna change that, they? formation every week mate yeah.
1: they're gonna need players that play everywhere yeah he's
0: he's exciting I'm yeah excited excited for
1: Rabbit. It's, a, it's a nice signing I'm, um, um, i'm a fan There's, a fair bit went down on deadline day that Raise my eyebrows for the wrong reasons, but Rebic, no, That wasn't one of them.
0: Right. Well, that is all for Hot Takes, which will lead us on to this week's Big Rankings, which will come up after the break. Stick with us. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks, where it is time for this week's Big Ranking. And today we're going to talk about the five biggest takeaways from the transfer window as a whole. And for that, there's only one man for the job, the rank god Sam Tai. I hand over to a power superior to my own. <laughs> mm-hmm. Off you go, Sam. Five biggest takeaways. Okay, so just for reference as well, there's uh, five biggest winners and
1: five biggest losers written article on the BR app and the website from myself. So I, we stay, straight away from that theme. Uh, to try and freshen it up a little bit and maybe take a more overarching look at the window but check that if you can and if you find your team in the wrong section go ahead and give me abuse I know that I'm very big in Paris right now uh, very popular in Manchester and also West London huge fans of mine anyway into the takes the first up Serie A went mad yeah it did wow the craziest window I think I've been a good one I think I've ever seen ah! I don't know, man. Let's let's, let's read through it. Let's read through it, and then we'll see if they've actually come out in a good way. So you already know about Inter arming themselves uh, for a title challenge, and the headline news, of course, is to Cardi moving to PSG on deadline day. You know about Juventus trying to sell Dybala, actually selling Moise Keane, for some reason swapping Cancelo for Danilo. Idiots. But let's look a bit further down, because this is kind of beyond belief. Henrik McIntyre and Chris Smalling joined Roma. Uh, in Atalanta... Yeah, as part of nine... No, ten people
0: that joined Roma.
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a scattergun, wasn't it? Do you remember earlier in the summer I was super excited about Roma? Well, ditch that. Anyway, Atalanta signed Martin Skirtle and then he left three weeks later, cancelled his contract. <laughs> that was fun. Simon Kiar came in. Brescia signed Mario Balatelli. Fiorentina signed Kevin Prince-Botang, Bobby Duncan, Rashid Ghazal and Frank Ribery in the strange... Best front four in Europe. Honestly, like they're just hitting buttons on a vending machine at this point. How did Lassa Scherna end up at Genoa? And why is Matteo Damian a Palmer player, <laughs> right? And then, just to finish off, best under the radar window is Bologna. Takahiro Tomiyasu, Stefano Denswil, Andreas Skov-Olsen, Jordi Shelton and Gary Medell. You've probably only heard of one of those players. Gary Medell. The last one. <laughs> but these are some really good players. And oh, you've f- forgotten Soriano and Sansone. Uh, they kind of completed loans though, so I'm not colluding them. But uh, like, they swam against the tide here. Where everyone else just went crazy, Bologna actually hit the market with some sense. And they've come out of it with a really good squad. They started the season pretty well. So put them on your radar as a potential overachiever this season. I'm going to see them in a couple of weeks against against, against Roma well then don't worry about it they're getting relegated but Fiorentina signing that array of players Atalanta with a three week centre back Mikatayan and Smalling in Rome what happened I absolutely love
0: it and I think you should watch Serie A 11 editions for Fiorentina that I can count like ones that potentially play at the very least this is great fun yeah, this is great fun. Yeah, they, yeah. They've signed loads, of, and then you know, four days before the window ended, like Gio Simeone, like heading off, and then just signing four other strikers instead, and Chiesa is a false nine, and all sorts of things going on in Florence. I'm super excited about this. I don't know about a lot of it. I do think
1: that um, Eric Pulgar is is going to be a good signing. Dalbert, um, will be fine. Dalbert could be fine. He needs to be, day. He's been mostly lost for two years, so we'll see. There's 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 a there's a lot of like kind of rough potential in the signings that they've made, and it could work out really well, but... The Fiorentina oh. four is the one for me. Botang and Ribery, man. Boateng,
2: Ribery, Ribery, Bobby Duncan and Gazette. I mean, how you even... Gazette and Pedro. They signed Pedro. Yeah, that's like, not about a 10 million it. euro signing Huge. from Brazil. Super yeah. excited. I'm, so, I'm
1: gassed. So anyway, that was the first takeaway. I went nuts. Yeah, Into number four. Uh, right, Ajax can count their lucky stars... I can't believe this has happened. Who, who genuinely went into this window thinking that Ajax were only going to lose three starters? Me. So they were... Shut I up. I wrote a piece on it. So there were three... So it was Frankie de Jong... Hard to find. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't exist. <laughs> Frankie de Jong, Matthias De Ligt, and Lasse Scherner are the only starters they lost from their Champions League run. They sold Kasper Dolberg and Daly Sinkgraven, but they're not starters and they won't necessarily be missed. But the following oh, players... Oh, do you remember
0: when Kasper Dolbo was going to be one of
1: the greatest strikers in Europe? I do, my, I do, play. I do. I'm really, really excited couple for of, him as well. A couple of seasons ago, really bad. But the following players still represent Ajax, somehow. Hakim Ziyech, Donny van der Beek, Andre Onana, Nusseh Masraoui, Nicolas Taliafico, David Neres. How the hell have they
0: done that? Uh, they play the nicest football in Europe, mate. and And they keep playing the nicest football in Europe, and they've got... Even better, and people don't want to leave. And better yet, they've signed Lisandro
1: Martinez, who's re- brilliant, to, who's great. He's replaced Delict so well. Quincy Promes, Edson Alvarez, these these are good signings. have got Sergino Dest, who's, who's, who's breaking through, and yeah, F, destined for and big and
2: things if he can carry on this guys, pun.
1: kind of Dest,
2: Destin for big things. Ah, <laughs> oh,
0: lovely, like that a lot.
1: Quincy offering a lot of promise on the wing. So oh, there you go. Honestly, uh, yeah. Dali
0: Blind is now playing centre
1: midfield. Well, Lissandro Martinez had a little spell in midfield at one point, which is um, he's definitely
0: Eric Ten Hag. The coach is definitely trying new things. Under think, underrated shout for coach of the year and wasn't given enough uh, credit.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's a tough. It's a tough shortlist, isn't it? When you've got the three the three Premier League guns there, and you've got Liverpool winning the Champions League, Pochettino reaching a final, and yeah. Pep Guardiola yeah, he doing won a what double and got
0: to a Champions League semi. No, like, no, no. What no, more I, can you do?
1: It's just, it's just. You're a prob- just competing it's with probably a reputation a thing. A monster, and aren't it's, you? I, I personally would have had him in over Pochettino. Agreed.
2: Um, but I hey, don't think they judge it in the same way we might. No, maybe not. But I'm just
0: excited because they're still playing really nice football and they're still playing really good stuff and still, I think we could go yeah, again. They're
2: not going off the radar like we presumed they would have to do this complete yeah. rebuild and actually they
1: don't. They're, good, they're, they're missing Frankie. You can see they in are the early steps him, yeah. that they're still trying to figure that out. And, and And when you've lost you Frankie and Frankie. Scherner, then that's that's actually a bit of both, isn't it? Because Scherner, the, the sort of, the, the, the elder statesman in there holding it together and, and, and Frankie just completely dictating they're going to need some time to get over this I can't believe Zayac that's, that's stayed all right. him,
2: to be honest like that was the one I was like Hakim Zayac he's got to go
1: didn't like, he like pretty much announce he was going to go yeah and he had a release clause or at least million unofficial million release clause the fact that he's still there is incredible particularly particularly when clubs like Bayern Munich were just like crying yeah, out for a player like it? him so well done to Ajax I think you can back count- on the bandwagon Let's, yeah, get, yeah, yeah. let's get on it again. Get the shirts again. on
0: order. Off we go. Off we go. I'm right. sticking with that nice black and gold on from last yeah, year. One, that one. Yeah,
1: very nice. Okay, into the next one. Man United don't have enough players. <laughs> <laughs> what a take. <laughs> <laughs> go on then. So, Man United are... They look, to They're me, a football club. They, they I thought <laughs> you were going to say Man United are a football club. <laughs> Based in England. Um, I think they did about 50% of what they were supposed to do this summer. Um, and potentially in the wrong order. They are the student who wrote their assignment, their laptop crashed, they lost half their work, and they went, "Well, not writing it again, and turned in a half-finished copy, speaking from
0: experience here. Um, No, it's like they got halfway through the essay. Or they wrote most of it and then cut half of it, and then were like, oh, we didn't need to write any more, it's just now much more paid. We'll be fine.
1: Didn't fancy. That'll get me enough marks. So you take, like... The incomings, I'm not about to sit here and go, Harry Maguire was too much money. Aaron Wambasaka questions about his attacking prowess. Like, we've done Good, that. We've, we've, Good additions. We've done that. Full stop. Overpriced, but f- fine, fine. The three additions they've made, fine. Dan James is already looking like a bit of a bargain, to be fair. But you take the business as a whole. I was about to do a circle with my hands, then I don't know what I'm doing. Take the business as a whole. It's in- like a melon. In- incomings, outgoings, and the squad size that it leads them with. All of the outgoings, the exits, Chris Smalling, Matteo Damian, Antonio Valencia, Alexis Sanchez, Romelu Lukaku, Herrera, they couldn't stop. On an individual basis, they're all justified. Yeah. But then you kind of leave yourself in a situation where your forward line is essentially Rashford, Martial and Greenwood when one of like none of them have ever been consistent at senior level. Greenwood hasn't played at senior level, but Martial we and can't, Rashford... can't knock him. No, yeah. Ma- Rashford and Martial have never maintained consistency over the course of a season. They've never been at, given a season And to be both fair. of them have, have also have a minor injury list. So you're already stretching yourself a little bit thin. And against Southampton at the weekend, Martial was injured. And, you know, he's bringing on Matic off the bench, Greenwood for sort of 10 minutes or so. You're already in a position where you're like you're basically the richest club in the world. You didn't need to do this. I understand why you've 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 removed Lukaku and particularly Sanchez from the situation. I understand the culture sh- shift that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is trying to preside over, but you didn't do enough in the first bit, the incomings, to justify all of those outgoings.
0: So my take on it is that Ollie's done a brilliant job of cutting the fat from the squad. Yeah. But he's like basically left himself with no food. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's, he's cut really well. And a lot of, a lot of this rebuild was always going to be getting rid of, not the deadwood, if you will, but the players that weren't doing what he needed them to do. And that was always the kind of plan, the overarching master plan it seemed. From from when he came in, getting more youth through, getting younger players in, hunger, desire, mm-hmm. people that wanted to play for the shirt. Yeah. But he just left them too thin. And, and while it's... You know, while there are massive opportunities here for tath Chong, Andreas Pereira, Greenwood, Angel Gomez, Danny James even, they're yeah. huge opportunities for those players. And and that's maybe a good thing for you know it's great for them, but also fans wanting to see Academy products brought through. But I think if you compare it to Chelsea, for example, who know that they had no option but to play these Academy products and therefore will have to stick with what they've done because they don't really have a choice. Yeah. it's not like that for United. United could have brought players in, or at least could have tried to bring players. in. Well, you no, know, they tried, maybe they like they did.
2: DiBala, they tried. Mandzukic, they asked about. Like Ecardi, I think at one point there was there was mention of that. And these are players that were available. They could have done those deals. Like they were possible. They if they offered the right terms. I guess their big fear, I think, right now, is that after what's happened with Pogba and big money. Lukaku and big money, Sanchez and big money. They're like, we don't want to get burned anymore on these big names. Like, let's take a step back. So I think they get really worried when it comes to replacing the likes of Lukaku with
1: another big name. They also said that they refuse to um, contend with other clubs for transfers. Yeah, they can't. only they only want to sign players that, that only want to join United. I was yep. like, well, that means you're not signing the right players because yeah. all the best players are coveted by all the best clubs. Yeah, of
0: course. Also, there's things like the Longstaff situation, which seemed to be bubbling from the start of the summer. Like, look, I don't know if Sean Longstaff was the right or wrong play of Man United. That doesn't really matter. The point was that it didn't get done. I don't think there was even that much in it, to be honest with you. From it seems what I was like, told. but you know, that was the one thing that was constantly linked mm, from day was, one yeah. of the charity. They're going to sign Sean Longstaff. They're going to sign Sean I think Longstaff.
1: that was Newcastle trying to get rid of him. <laughs> I don't know. He's, <laughs> very, he's, good. He's, he's very good. They shouldn't be trying to get rid of him. But it brings us on to another point where, you know, we talk about uh, the attack is, is shorthanded. Central midfield, Pogba McTominay has started the first three games. Yeah. And off the bench, you've got the options of Andres Pereira. Okay. Fred has basically been exiled at this point. He's barely in the squad, if he even is. And Nemanja Matic looks semi retired at this point. Van
0: Matter, so- I guess.
1: So, like, when, when, when central midfield is being run through, like it has done over the last of the first three games, like they've been very bad in central midfield. Structurally, this is a poor team. Which is a shame
0: because McTominay's actually played all right.
1: Yeah, I think he's done okay. Sanchez doesn't really have any players to turn to in midfield. And then, you know, the long staff link to, made, made, made sense to begin with at the start of the summer because they obviously needed a central midfield reinforcement, particularly since Ander Herrera left for free. They got nothing. They have no one. And Solskjaer looks at his bench and he doesn't want to bring any of those players he on. He does. He wants to bring Michael Carrick on. Yeah. Unless <laughs> he wants to bring off his yeah, bench. just off your boots. That's so, a worry. So we're bring, we bring it like numerically in defence, they're fine. Goalkeepers, fine. But attack, I'm a bit concerned. And in central midfield, I don't think he has the options that he wants. They're going to play 38 Premier League games. They've got trips to Turkey and Ukraine in the Europa League. And they're going to be expected to go as far as they can and take the domestic cups as seriously as possible because they are Man United, they win silverware, and this is their best opportunity. Is this team that they've left themselves with good enough and deep enough to manage that? I I argue no, no. I think you're completely right. right. Declan Rice was the answer in that midfield, by the way. Probably would have been, yeah. Right, PSG, sir, so number two. Number two, PSG, the most confused club on earth. <laughs> <laughs> that familiar headline. Good knows. Good to say is what goes to their mind sometimes. They're, I've been shouted out a lot on social media over the last uh, day or so, or tw- be 24 hours yeah, by the PSG time this talk. comes up. PSG fans are not happy with me because they're really happy with their window, and I'm pleased for them that they're happy. However... Um, they've toed and froed this summer between trying to break away from this kind of reputation of being a bit of a, uh, a troubled team and removing some of the players that have contributed to that, Adrian Rabio and to an extent Danny Alves. and They've gone from that, but they've also sort of simultaneously fallen back into it on the last day. It's like... From one perspective, no Alves, no Rabió, Neymar's antics no longer being tolerated. He has been shown what is what. They bring in Ander Herrera, Idrissa Gay, Pablo Sarabia, good professional players, all got their heads screwed on. They've reinforced the defense with Abdi Diallo. It's all looking good. And right at the last second, they're probably all sat there going, oh, good job, guys. Good job. Patting each other on the back. Hang on a minute. Maracali's available on (laughs) loan. And they ruined it. They were doing so well. Oh, guys. So they couldn't resist. They could not resist. And this is where the seesaw flips. Acardi's is a nightmare, right? Stripped to the captaincy at Inter Milan, went AWOL for 40 days and didn't turn up to training, had to apologise or to the fans or they asked him to and created rifts between the stands and the pitch. His wife and agent, Wanda Nara, is said to be at the centre of a lot of this. And there were PSG fans celebrating that Adrian Rabiot and his reportedly troublesome mother, Veronique Rabiot, have finally gone. Welcome, enter, Mauro Icardi and Wanda Nara.
0: Guys, all right. Icardi, does he come with personal problems? Of course he does. Is he a risk? Of course he is. But he's also one of the deadliest strikers in Europe. 124 goals in 219 games for Inter, better than one in two. He scores goals in Europe, four in six in last season's Champions League. This is a man that scores goals he's, he's yeah, he's and is good. good at football. He's a good player. I think that you're, I, I know what you're saying. I completely get it. And I understand that PSG have sort of just every couple of days switch what they want to be. And that is a problem. But that front four, Akadi, Cavani, Mbappe and Neymar is arguably the best in Europe. I mean I, on, paper, I, I, mate. I on
1: paper, the best in yours. I think quite a lot of them will refuse to pass to each other, which is your first problem I, 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 <laughs> people, your people, are, <laughs> people are saying that um people are saying that acardi is is low risk because it 's alone with an option i don't think acardi is ever is ever low risk um, he he has a habit of falling out with pretty much everybody, and like look, people can change, but he is not a young player anymore. He's mid to late 20s and it has been relentless.
0: But he and- wanted to leave. He it- wanted to leave Inter and now he's left Inter. Yeah, Let's but- see
2: what Neymar
1: happens. wanted to leave Barcelona and it's not been for him what he's no, it hasn't. One of, my, one of my issues with this is that they were having enough trouble containing Neymar. And I've, I feel for Thomas Tuchel here, who was trying to shift the culture in this club as, as in the same way that Sol- Solskjaer is at Man United. He was having enough trouble with Neymar and they've given him a Cardi. Now, a Cardi is not guaranteed to play football for this club because Cavani plays and they might not play with all four of them. Yeah. Uh, this, this is... I understand why fans are excited about this because you read out his statistics and his reputation and on paper it's great. This has all the potential to go completely wrong. And just to add on to the end of it as well, we talk about how they're trying to shape up as a more professional unit. They went they went and sold five or six homegrown players and a couple of them fair the enough good but good money
0: to be fair. I don't
1: I don't love the idea of of a, of a club like this basically selling on someone like Moussa Diaby for just 15 million euros. Like that's not enough money for him. It's and, buy-back it, clause and you, though, and isn't you it? can't you can't really you can't really say oh yeah but you know it, 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 PSG have had lots of good players come through and they never they they never reach their potential. Yeah, they, they've gone to reach their potential elsewhere. Jonathan Akone is killing it for Lille, has just been called into the French national squad, looks like a player that many top teams could use. PSG had him in their academy and they let him go. This, this happens a little bit too often. And again, some people have said to me, well, look, PSG have got financial fair play concerns and they had to sell them. It's like, well, yeah, but like... I think one of the most powerful tools that a club can have if they're facing financial fair play concerns is a really good, like core, solid group of homegrown players that can help you beat the registration rules on the Champions League and escape the issues elsewhere. They're the players you keep.
2: I mean, the big problem as well for PSG is when Leonardo came in, he started like putting things into place and there was a big concern about the reputation of the club and the badge being undermined by Neymar's antics off the field. So now you're throwing Icardi into that mix as well. Neymar says he's going to behave. Who knows what's going to happen over the next year? Then let's throw this forward another year. Not only are Barcelona going to be back in for Neymar, not only is Icardi probably going to be going back to where he came from, but Mbappe is going to be chased by Real Madrid, possibly Liverpool, possibly Juventus. There's no way that clubs aren't going after Mbappe next summer. So suddenly, that front four that we're talking about right now looking like good on paper, all four of them could be gone in a year's
0: time, like... It, you're starting from scratch. I really. get what you're saying. I just think they've had a good window. Like Jessica N'Gai, <laughs> Ngolo Kanté aside, the best defensive midfielder in the Premier League last year. Kaelor Navas, potentially the best keeper PSG have ever had.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, look. This is this is not to distract, and I should have made this potentially clearer. I Quite a lot, actually. I did, to be fair. I quite, I quite like quite a few of the signings. I just think they they lapse, don't they? they? They they want to be one thing, and they nearly are it, and then they go, oh, ah, they just. I just don't just, know, know if the it. worry
0: about Accardi being bad off the pitch is big enough to justify the entire window going out the window. Well, in a brilliant three window, Three I think.
1: No, I just, I don't, I don't think they're any closer to their ultimate goal of Champions League yeah, football. I think they, are. I think, no, they I, are. And I think they're an unhappier side as a result of the transfer window. Okay. That's well, was... ultimately where I get to with it. I right. say you're number one then, Sam. Okay. This is going to sound strange because they're tough with the league and they've won all the games. Liverpool, I think, have missed a golden chance to capitalise on, on an incredible position. Um, I would say that this has surprised me but it didn't because the Emir of the exclusive to my right said all summer that Liverpool would not be making big signings. And once again, it was justice for Dino because Thanks. they made one for signing, Sepp van
0: der Berg. Take that, Pepe years. haters. <laughs> we just talk about the fact that Dean's got two things wrong all summer and, and pretty much everything else right. And yeah, you, well, you get remembered remember the things you get wrong, <laughs> yeah, the things you get that, right. That's the case, that's unfortunately. But that.
1: hey, here we go. Yeah. Liverpool were adamant all season, all summer they wouldn't be spending. They didn't. I think I was adamant all summer that they should be spending and they'd be foolish yeah. not to. And here's where I am. This is the time to strike. This is when you have the... This is the ultimate... Opp- is hot. This is the ultimate opportunity to attract the world's best players. This is how Chelsea got Eden Hazard in 2012. He joins the reigning European champions above all every other club that wanted him. With a weird tweet. With a weird tweet. And so basically everyone wants to join the reigning European champions. Unfortunately for everyone, the European champions don't want you to join them. I think they've played chicken with the fitness of Salah and Mane for a long time, at least a year, maybe a little bit longer. And I think they've been pretty fortunate with the durability of these players over the course of the last year and a half. I really feel like they could have used another attacking midfield winger striker body, someone that can play all of those roles. And I know Oxlade-Chamberlain is back, but the early signs are that he's got quite a lot of catching up to do in terms of sharpness. And that's completely fine. Yeah, also he's playing as an eight. He's playing, He's played all over. He's played on the wing as well. And it, it, look, it's it's going to come for him. He's been out for a long time. But again, you start to look to the market and you think, well, okay, fine. Is there a good case for for, for them to sign anyone? Timo Werner was right there. He was available. He the was re- aforementioned Hakim Ziyech. He was refusing to sign a contract. And, oh, he, had take it and has, he has now signed one because, well, Bayern pulled out and Liverpool didn't sign him. But he was right there. Like they, I really feel like this was an opportunity to get at least one player and try to keep this side a little bit fresh. Because as we've seen, and this is, this is a stretch, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but as we've seen with Real Madrid, things can get stale and you have to work very hard to stay on top of this. We saw on on British television Rio Ferdinand talking this weekend about the need to freshen up a dressing room and how even in training you need to bring in a new face and a new body which helps everybody else up their game. Now I'm not accusing Liverpool of falling flat or sitting slack because they've been very good but the the depth issue on the wings and up front has always concerned me. I feel like this was the perfect time to pick one player that they liked. And it's not as if they're not interested because they tried to sign Nabil Fekir last summer and pulled out due to medical concerns. There was a player there for them. They could have really used him
0: and they've decided just n- no. Yeah, I mean, it's the same old argument, isn't it? It's either, do you keep your band of brothers siege mentality? We can do this together and ever and ever. And, and that's what Klopp will will fall back on. Yeah. And it might work. Yeah. This is the thing. Like, this might work, but... I mean, would they have really damaged that that much by bringing in one player? Would they be damaging things? Well, I said, and I think it, Sam might have been off
2: in the week that when I said that they should have gone for Koulibaly. Like, get that one player in that makes such a statement, not only to the fans but to that squad. So that when they're coming into training and they're going into that first session, and Kula suddenly amongst you, you're like, "What? Wow! Mm. Like, nobody's going to beat us. Like, no one scores. Own nobody's going like to score against us. Like, we've got these two monsters in defence. Like." That that's the kind of thing you want, and it just gives everyone that extra lift from next, from last it. season and like everything they achieved. Like that that feeling can only fade unless you bring something else into the equation. And they
0: didn't. Liverpool do that. fans will point to Joel Matip, who's criminally underrated, I think, yeah, yeah, by, I think by so. a lot of players, and they will point to Joe Gomez as an up and coming centre half. And I completely get what you're saying. It's just, I guess, it all comes back to, and the question it continually comes back to is. Is the kind of siege mentality better served by having players that are playing above their station, by being part of this squad and part of Klopp's kind of little army of brothers mm. that are all fighting for each other and fighting to be the best? And and maybe that will be the mm. what actually proves to be the moment for them this year.
1: Maybe 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 I, maybe. Draw. No, let's draw a parallel to Man City here, and these there are they are different approaches, and you have to respect that. But Man City this summer, having won the treble, said right, do we have even a hint of a weakness anywhere? And they decided, yeah left back's under duress because Benjamin Mendy's fitness is questionable and uh Fernandinho is aging quicker than ever Jack he does age really quickly Fernandinho so that's a concern what should we do okay well let's go and get Rodri let's pick up a left back to, to reinforce that position so we now have three so we're not over dependent on Zinchenko when we can take the pressure off Benjamin Mendy and then of course they go and upgrade Danilo into Cancelo, which is like when you evolve a Pokemon and he just becomes way better. It's absolutely amazing. Um, so look, that's the approach they took. And, and I, Fernandinho's appreciate- playing the centre back, and it's a di- well, he's going to have
2: to.
0: He's one fits That's center fine. Back. He's
1: fine. It's a, it's, a, it's a different approach, but they assessed their squad and thought, right, we've got a couple of hints of weaknesses here. And with Liverpool, you could do the same thing. They yeah, don't. They, they need that body, and they arguably need a left back. Moreno went. I know Milner can 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 deputise, but like
0: it's it's. What like, happens it's, if Andy Robinson breaks his leg? Yeah,
1: I don't know. Well, that that's yeah. That's like that's the case for every single player. But Liverpool are going to be expecting to challenge for the title and re- try and retain the Champions League. You're playing seventy games this year, guys. Like. It's, it's tough. And th- yeah. th- it feels like a nitpick because they're top of the league and they started well. But I did find it a bit strange that they
0: decided not to pounce on the opportunity. I think it's, that's it. It's not, this isn't a criticism. It's mm. just that there was an opportunity there that they didn't take. And whether that works or not will be found out later down the line. But that yeah. is a takeaway. They did not take their opportunity as European champions to basically pick whoever they mm. want in Europe. Which they get. Which you get. You yeah, get that's that exactly of... what you get when you win the Champions League. Okay, well, thank you, Sam, for that. I think we can all agree that this transfer window has thrown up a lot of excitement and a lot of questions about the upcoming season. And I, for one, very excited about it. Yeah. So coming up after the break is Bleacher Roulette and, as always, those famous nonsense rankings. Don't go ahead. Welcome back, rank squad. Abandon reason, abandon rhyme. Hold on to your hats; it's roulette time. Nobody loses; we all get to win. Sam, start us off. Give us a spin.
1: Who's better at football, Lee Catamol or Lionel Messi? After four beers, four pints.
2: Do people know who Lee Catamol is? Well, clearly, <laughs> he's uh, hes just.
1: Where did he just move to? In the outside world. Is it VVV Venlo? It might be VVV Venlo. It's an Eredivisie club. Um, I think it's—I think it's Venlo. Um, Obviously, spent a long, basically long time. Basically, a workhorse midfielder. Yeah, the quintessential English midfielder of of the last ten years. Leg breaker. Basically, isn't that good, but like puts in a real shift, runs around quite a lot, shouts quite a lot and um, played for Sunderland for a long, long time. Skipped with Sunderland for a long, long time. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, four beers would not affect Lee Catamol. No,
1: no. Messi, Messi
0: with four beers oh, or, or Lee Catamol. Catamol just normally. I, say, Catamol so, be I reckon four beers would do quite a lot for Lionel Messi.
1: Yeah, I think... it's quite little and quite th- slight. I mean, there's no way that he's, he's oh. heavily drinking on the weekends. Because, like, well, I know for a fact because he plays football. Um, so The weakest one <laughs> I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah. he's, um, he's in good shape, I'm willing to bet. So I presume he doesn't drink much. So four pints of beer would have... That would ruin Messi, wouldn't it? No. I still think the answer is would who's be better, better than... at
0: football is Leo Messi. Who would be more useful in your team? Yeah. Probably Hatamole. Yeah. It's Messi, man.
1: i do, <laughs> Messi, I don't I don't know.
2: I don't I, I do
0: think the four beers.
2: He could be rolling around on the floor after ten pints and still be handy, because he could just like every night town come to him, flick it up, overhead. Goal. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think I would really want Lee Catamol in my team. Even even if it was
0: just no one or the yeah. <laughs> Sunderland legend, I'll have you know. Yeah, I, think, Messi, I, I, I think
1: Messi's too inebriated after four and um, Catamol. He does go for nights out though, doesn't he? You see him
2: out with Suarez. He was pretty wrecked on a
1: night out with Suarez and Ibiza at yeah. one point during the summer. And was summer. he any good at football?
2: Probably though. I bet they were playing in the pool after, like, you know. You football the I'm pool? still going for Messi.
1: <laughs> Either side, you ping it over. <laughs> oh, I'm still going Messi. Yeah, I'm going Catamol. Dean? messy
0: all right then we're going to spin you. Is it ever acceptable to leave games early? I mean yes, ever. Yes, yes. The answer is unless like if you've got like a child on the way and you have to like leave to go to the hospital <laughs> or whatever, then I mean, maybe obviously. I can just about accept it.
2: No, it's fine to leave games no, it's early. Not. It's absolutely. No, I think it is fine. Because no. getting home, especially it depends when the game is as well. It's my thing, right? Yeah. Especially evening games, if you've got a get home on the tube and there's like Five minutes left, and your team's winning like two nil or three nil. Like absolutely fine. Just walk out. Clap don't the worry lads. about no. Don't worry about the clapping noise. off the lads. The lads are paying no attention to you. They're just doing this thing that they're like, oh yeah, clap the fans. They don't care whether you're there or not, and they're not going to. They're going to look up to your seat and see if you're there. Yeah, they are. That really. They know exactly me. where I
0: sit.
1: If you want to go home, go home. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, if you've ever tried to get out of Wembley at like yeah. 10 p.m. or 9:45 or something like that, and England have just beaten San Marino eight nil, and you had the chance to leave on the 82nd minute at 7-0 and you didn't take it, you're feeling really yeah. quite stupid. I'd go in the 72nd minute. About 50,000 people are going to try and get into the same tube station and you end up
0: shuffling down a lane. Wait, you don't. The only, the only reasons to leave are if you're coming with a child and the child has to leave, if the child is sick, if your partner is giving birth. And you need, or you're giving birth, to be fair, then you can leave early to go to the. Oh, you're allowed to tour. leave if you're giving birth. And if birth. you're going to miss a flight, if you have to get home via a plane and there is only one plane, then you can leave. Apart from that, never leave games early. Those I are, the, those are three scenarios in which it's fine. Yeah. There are very, very few. Bereavement. Times. bereavement. Well, that, yeah. Well, if you die or someone else. Either. Both. Both. Either. Fine. If you die or a, a relative or friend dies. <laughs> I rarely, early
2: I've early. rarely heard the full time whistle.
0: You're as bad as.
2: Ah. No, unless it's like tight look okay if it's not your team that you're watching who cares what happens next to be honest like, if it's
0: not your team you're watching I have a little bit more sympathy but also respect for the like fans around a team, you lot of,
2: if there's something on the line I don't get it when fans leave at
0: like 1-1 watch your are. team to the final whistle and leave with all the other people there's my left what is your favourite transfer this summer not the best your favourite Sep Vanderberg to Liverpool Jack you go first your question <laughs> Um, I've got a couple. I like I like De Rossi to Boca Juniors a lot. That one fills my heart with, with plenty of joy. Uh, big big fan of that one. Easily pleased. Big really. fan of Nabil Fekir going to pop over and watch him, Maya. I'd love to. I would love to. <laughs> I wouldn't leave before the final whistle though. Um, <laughs> You'd be allowed. No, you wouldn't be allowed. You'd only see? just be coming on. Absolutely. Uh, Nabil Fekir to Betis, I like a lot. Obviously, That's for fair. obvious reasons. But I think my favourite is Stefano Sensi, the uh, Inter Milan. I think he might be the best player in the world.
1: <laughs> oh good. He's, he's unbelievable i remember about two weeks ago you saying that up to me about frankie
0: <laughs> also the best player in the world um <laughs> so many favorite players i, in d- all. I love I, look i i didn't i've watched sensei a couple of times before <clears throat> never really paid wild amounts of attention to him i knew he was he was good clever little player that did nice things but he's different gear he like he's one of the most exciting players i've ever watched every time he gets the ball you're like Ooh, what's happening next <clears throat> and I'm really, really, really excited now about Stefano Sensi and therefore I'm naming him as my favourite transfer of the summer. Fine, fair enough. Dean?
2: Nicolas Pepe to Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, nice. Nice, yeah.
2: Obviously, I, I ruled out this transfer um, on our heat rater or whatever they heat call checker? it. Heat checker? Heat um, checker. So. Look, at the time when, I, when Pepe <laughs> was being linked with Arsenal... This is good. ...there was absolutely no chance of it happening... Like, everyone thought the same thing. Nobody thought Arsenal had this money. And then they pulled it off. Like, absolutely fair play to them for doing it. So what
1: happened to allow that to happen? Did everyone else decide not to sign him? And then Lille had to accept? No, Arsenal were
2: first on the scene with Pepe. They've been scouting him since January. When they first started looking at Pepe, they thought they could have signed him for, like, 40 million. They were like, okay, that's fine. That's fair. Then that carries on. Obviously, the more clubs that show interest, the, the fact his form never actually tailed off, his value just went up and up and up. So they ended up spending £72 million on him. The problem is all the briefings coming out of Arsenal, which is why there was barely a whisper of it, was that they didn't have that kind of money. Now, what, the thing I love about this transfer... Obviously, I've been trolled relentlessly by Arsenal fans for it. Every single day, people are sending me screenshots of saying never happening.
1: I've also been accused of... People don't understand that Dean and I are different people. No, I don't And I had hundreds of people going, yeah, but you said Pepe wouldn't join Arsenal. And I didn't want to throw him under the bus. I didn't want to be like, no, that was Dean. But I I want to go, that wasn't me. And then they go, well, who was it then? And I just go silent. (laughs) No, you can just tell him it's me. Because the thing is, I'm happy
2: that Arsenal got Pepe. I want to watch him and... We said in one of our first shows, I reckon, like, probably the first two months, certainly of us of us going and out with this podcast, that you should watch Nicholas Pepe, that he was going to be one of the big transfers of this summer. Nobody else was really. Yeah, you were saying that. Yeah, we were. You know, we were like what someone is going to get hold of this player. He's going to be the hottest thing in the transfer market this summer, and he's made a seventy-two million pound move. And so people think that I hate this transfer, and I love it. Like I'm really pleased he's here. And look, he's not actually going to do that well. Do you think he's a really exciting player? He's not got the end product at the moment to be worth that kind of money. Yeah, it's going to take him some time And Arsenal fans that are trolling me at the moment are kind of trolling themselves because you're going to be really disappointed at the end of the season when he's got like pretty bad numbers. Six six (laughs) six goals, including a brace at home to Norwich. Anyway, love the transfer.
0: Jeez. Right, what's your
2: (laughs)
1: favourite transfer of the window, Sam? John Joe Kelly to Schalke. Online. Just ridiculous.
2: Can't joke, <laughs> Kenny to Schalke. Just
1: ridiculous. Like, when that happened, I thought, no, I've misread that for sure. But actually, he scored at the weekend in a uh, 3-0 victory for Schalke over Hertha Berlin. Yeah, from? Uh, no, 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 no. It was a belter as well. Um, I liked Allaire to West Ham. Mm. Allaire, I got a soft spot for Allaire after the Frankfurt uh, story last season, and him and Jovic as a, as a pair I really liked. And when West Ham signed him, I thought, wow, you've been looking for a striker for like, Five years, and you've actually found one now. Like, well done. Um, Ismail Sarr is a player I love, and I'm happy to see him in the Premier League, although he hasn't played any minutes yet. And then, from a personal perspective, Darwin Machis back to Granada for the second act. He's probably the best player in the Liga, so...
0: him, It's, it's a toss-up between him and André Frank-Zambo Anguissa, yeah. who came on and dominated mid, uh, midfield against Madrid at the weekend. But
1: yeah, for some reason, I support Granada. Uh, we got a big win at the weekend, 3-0 away to Espanyol. Darwin Machis was uh, absolutely superb. Best player on the pitch, yeah. wasn't
0: he? Yeah. Three assists, or well, three hockey assists. Uh Yes. and um, So, fair play to him. Sam, that is the nonsense siren. Sorry to the person who left us a review saying, "Please stop making that stupid noise." Ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Sam, did they? You're yeah, up?
1: What was the star raising four.
0: on you? Only four. Only four. So I reckon I it's directly the noise.
2: cost us a star. Fuming, fuming. Bloke this fuming. Is, to be I, fair. He did start the podcast,
1: so we probably give him some credit for that. This is why I tried. I had such difficulty swapping you in the summer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> People were like, "Not if he doesn't stop making that ridiculous noise." And I couldn't guarantee anything. Not in good. Never conscience. can. Never.
1: Okay, this week's nonsense. I have ranked, and it is a seven parts ranking special it is rattle quick. through them. it is quick but it's seven part i've ranked the colors of the rainbow because there's seven colors in the rainbow all right go on then uh dead last violet don't like it um also uses a name for girls I don't like that either They're like girls <laughs> it's the color <laughs> of the Fiorentina Fu- kit enter number six red oh you hadn't Ooh. thought of that no i don't like the you, you don't like Fiorentina. i don't either. like I don't like violet. Like what? Am I to, kit is what, so nice. What am I supposed to do? Into number six, red. I don't look good in red. Into number five, True. orange. Not looking and good in you know, orange. It's going to be that now. Orange. I don't look good in orange. Number four, green. I don't look good in green. Um, <laughs> orange. I don't like this color. Um, do you like I like the fruit. I also don't. Um, yeah, yeah, but I don't. I don't look good in it either. Um, but I would say that it's above. It's above red because the Dutch look good in it. And they create a very nice spectacle in stadiums when they all, they all wear orange and they all sit together and it's just a wall of orange. I like that. But that's really the only scenario in which I like orange and that's a problem. So that's why it's ranked fifth. All right. Into number four, yellow. I find this largely inoffensive. So it's in the middle. Uh, three.
2: Literally the definition of yellow.
1: Yeah, three. Indigo, quite nice uh, and also quite a, quite a cool word. A violet's bottom, but indigo's third. Indigo's more like blue, so it's fine. Um, I like the word as well. Indigo's a cool word. Uh, two, green. I look good in green. And then uh, one, blue. Envy. Blue, my favourite colour. Blue is your favourite colour? Why? Yeah. Uh, I, I like it the most. I want your top three. Green is top of mine. Irish. Then violet. Fiorentina. Fiorentina. <laughs> then
2: red, probably. Man United. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cork. Cork City. Yeah, cool. Um, Dean? Red.
0: Man United. Violet. Fiorentina. Well, I eat. Indigo. Good choice on third. Good choice on third. Right. Chaos, ladies and gentlemen. Pure, unbridled chaos. That's us all wrapped for this week. And all that's left for me to do is say thank you so much to these two fellas. The power, the engines, the cutting edge of BR football. Dean Jones and Sam Tai. I have been Jack Collins. Thank you so much for listening. We've got one last request for you. Get your phone out. Send a mate who'd like this podcast a text or a Viber or a WhatsApp and tell them to have a listen, subscribe and join the Rank Squad. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on Stitcher, we're on YouTube, we're on Google Podcasts, you name it, we're there. So we'd massively appreciate it if you could keep us growing, keep yeah. telling your friends and we want people in the Rank Squad Or just you take like. your friend's
2: phone and subscribe. Yeah, do whatever like
0: you people. like, basically, but we reckon if you like them, then we'll probably like them as well and they'll probably like us, so... You know that's a that's a good way of that's doing. That. So if you all just invite someone along, then we can all you know continue to, to have fun and, and make more podcasts and all that kind of thing. So medal of the week suggestions go straight to Dean Jones, mm-hmm. and thank you as ever for all your suggestions for roulette and for the Keeper. Keep them coming. Big love to the rank squad. We'll see you next week. Peace.